Blog Talk Radio. harmony. The earth supports our conscious effort for sustained humanity. Human beings, human love on a spiritual tip. So vast, so great. The African embrace Live beyond Love beyond Your skin To where you belong Take it down. What the name did you say? Oh, it's 
uh, one of the reasons why institution building is so key is when we look at the kind of decimation that's sweeping the society and we look at the kind of injustice, the lack of our human rights increasingly is taking place in the society, then we've got to ask ourselves the question, will this, will this ever change? The reality is given neoliberalism in terms of how the system is structured. The bottom line is these problems that confront human beings are not going to change. So it's coming upon us as a people specifically, uh, or people generally, uh, to come up with some solutions in terms of how to navigate this insanity. Because without some firm plan in terms of how to move forward, then we're all in trouble. So essentially what I'm saying is that it's so key in terms of institution building uh, in society, in terms of getting us where we need to be in terms of combating these injustices that we surely will face in the society. Father Haki, we go to Brother Moses, and we would like to welcome Brother Moses to Africa on the Move. Welcome. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice. My name is Robert Andrew Moses, and I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that my faith tongue is this messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. And we don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. And I like to say equal rights amendment, ERA, yes. Um, women hold up half the sky. And thank you once again, Brother F, for allowing me to be on the show. Thank you, Brother Moses. Next, we'll go to our caller. Last one, number 7096. Introduce yourself. Caller 7096. The mic is show. Caller 7096. Okay, we'll go to our next caller, 7236. 7236, welcome to Africa on the Moon. Good evening, Brother Africa. Good evening, Brother Africa and Talent. My name is Eleanor Johnson, and I want to thank you for giving me an opportunity to participate in tonight's forum and to welcome everyone and thank them for their participation as well as our fellow analysts. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. We now will go to our brother, Andre Powell, who represents the National Network on Cuba. Brother Andre, welcome to Africa on the Move. Good afternoon, Brother Africa. I'm Andre Powell, and I live in Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm calling uh, the program today to discuss a rally that will be held in Washington, D.C. on July the 25th. There's a a Cuban-American named Carlo Lazos who is, along with others, walking from Miami 1,300 miles up to Washington, D.C. They've stopped in several cities throughout the South, and they're walking to demand an end to that illegal, immoral blockade of the United States on the country of Cuba. The U.S. uh, commonly referred to as the embargo. The embargo was put in place by President John F. Kennedy back in 1961. In my opinion, the embargo is a relic of the Cold War. Now, the Cold War ended, and it's time to lift this embargo. Uh, 184 nations in the United Nations just voted to end the embargo, 
which reflects the same uh, uh, type uh, scale of the vote year after year. And the only two countries that voted no were United States and, of course, its stooge, Israel. So we're asking people that are in the Washington, D.C. area and a little bit beyond, if you're within hours of Washington, D.C., to come to Washington, D.C. at Lafayette Park, there across from the White House on July 25th, to join uh, with, with thousands, we hope thousands will be there, that from up and down the East Coast, demanding that the blockade on Cuba be lifted. The blockade has caused untold uh, hardships for the country of Cuba, particularly in this time in light of the, the pandemic itself. One of the harshest uh, things is that they are having a shortage of syringes needed to issue the vaccination there in Cuba. Everyone is on board with vaccinations in Cuba, and because of the blockade, they cannot get the syringes. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, you know, people all over the country have stood up in support of ending the blockade of Cuba. There have been 39 resolutions passed by labor councils, school boards, uh, city council leg legislations around the country. We passed one here in Baltimore just a month ago. So we're asking everyone to come out uh, on July the 25th. We also need people that are, are, are willing to, to be peacekeepers, and we ask if you want to be a peacekeeper that you arrive at Lafayette Park by 11.30 in the morning. The rally is slated to begin from 2 o'clock and will go until 4 o'clock. Uh, that's when they should be arriving, walking up the 1,300 miles from, from Miami. And these are Cuban-Americans here in the U.S. that do not agree with the, uh, uh, you know, anti-Cuba banter that the United States and its media uh, corporate media uh, buddies continuously put out. They would have you believe that everybody in this country that's Cuban American is is a, is a, is against the is in favor of the blockade, but they're not, and and that must be told. So they are walking up from Miami and again to demand into the blockade because the responsibility for the blockade lays squarely on the shoulders of successive United States governments. We know that President Obama had a brief thaw in relations, but then Donald Trump turned around and he added actually 253, 243 more uh, regulations that tightened the blockade even further. And I'd like to take a little bit of time, if I could, to address what is shown on the news this past week uh, what it really was trying to be pictured by U.S. corporate media as, oh, people in Cuba standing up say they're tired of the government. What it really is was a series of counter-revolutionary provocations that took place in the, in the streets of Cuba, trying to blame the socialist government for the shortages of medical supplies, fuel, and food. But in reality, we all know so very well it's caused by the unilateral U.S. blockade, the economic coercion of not only from the U.S., but 
bullying, blackmailing other countries not to go there and do business with Cuba. Um, I remember in the 1990s when uh, Senator Torricelli of New Jersey introduced a bill that was passed in Congress that tightened the blockade by uh, stating any ship from any country that delivered goods to Cuba could not come to the U.S. within six months. This is this is uh, in terms of international law. This this is this is, it really is incredible that that they passed a bill like that. And you know you the world these countries all live under capitalism, of course. So all they're thinking about is their profits. So if they look and say, gee, if we go to Cuba, we can't go to the U.S., which is the biggest, most consumer-oriented country in the world. They can't sell their goods here, cut into their profits. So, of course, that aspect made them work, and that helped contribute to strengthening the blockade against Cuba. But it's time for it to go. It's time, even though we know sometimes politicians aren't the best, (laughs) most of the time, we know that it's time to end the blockade. The president can actually do it with one stroke because President Kennedy made it an executive order. So Joe Biden can just say, here's an executive order. We're going to end the blockade. Uh, instead, what, the, what they're, the U.S. capitalist ruling class, the bosses and bankers who call the shots, they're united in their hatred of Cuba. They have not forgiven Cuba for launching, becoming the first socialist revolution in the uh, Western Hemisphere. Additionally, there's another, it, it, it's no coincidence that these so-called rallies against the government happening in Cuba when they're really not, that that happens just days after the assassination of the discredited U.S. puppet president of Haiti, Jovenel Moise. Fear there is right now leaders in Haiti have called upon the U.S. Uh, to send troops to intervene in Haiti. This is absolutely such a dangerous situation for Cuba because a U.S. occupation of Haiti could serve as the launching pad for an invasion of Cuba. So uh, once again, it is of absolute importance. Anyone within hours of, of Washington, D.C., be there on July 25th uh, to greet Carlo Lazos and the walkers coming up from Miami to show a sign of strength. We'll show Joe Biden and the rest of Congress and the Democrats and the Republicans. We stand solidly on the side of Cuba and demand an end to the blockade. And that will be rally will begin at 2 p.m. And again, those that want to come and be peacekeepers, because we do need peace, peacekeepers, uh, we uh, have heard that the counter right-wing counter-revolutionary forces will also try to get there. We do have a permit to have our rally to call for the ending of the blockade uh, of the U.S. against Cuba. So uh, that's – I can't say it much better. We all know how – the great things Cuba has done when Africa called, Cuba answered. The Cuban troops helped defeat apartheid forces in Africa. They helped Angola gain independence. And Cuba has sent so many health brigades to Africa, uh, you know, to, to fight some of the, the epidemics that happened there. 
while the U.S. said sent nothing. So let's stand up for Cuba on July 25th. Be at Lafayette Park across from the White House at 2 p.m. Those that want to be peacekeeping uh, members of the Peacekeepers Force, please arrive at 1130. Uh, any questions from the panelists or any comments? Uh, Andrea, can you get them the, any email, phone number, contact for more information that people may want to participate? For more information, let's see if I can. I had to do it off the top of my head because I don't have it right in front of me. Uh, they would contact a uh, website where to go to the NOC and find out more information. Yes, the National NNOC National Network on Cuba. Uh, there's also an international solidarity campaign to bring to Cuba tens of millions of medical syringes, and we've already collected over half a million dollars here in the U.S to buy syringes and to get those syringes to Cuba so they can begin their vaccination. And that website would be ghpartners.org front slash syringes number four Cuba. That's ghpartners.org front slash syringes the number four Cuba. And on that note, let me just quickly see if any of the rest of the participants may want to have a question as it relates to this upcoming event. We go quickly to Haki, a question or response of any other Haki. No, I, I thought the brother uh, laid out, you know, uh, adequately in terms of, you know, um, the, uh, the movement or in terms of what's going on in Washington, D.C. So I really have nothing to add to that. You know, I just, you know, would uh, sort of... Uh, uh, double on, double back, double up on what the brother said in terms of you know people actually coming out and participating, you know, in that uh, in that um, that uh, that gathering because it was so critical that people understand that uh, you know anything worth having worth fighting for. And so Cuba is a model example for the world, and certainly you want people to understand that if if, if good things can happen in Cuba, good things can happen in America. And so in that context, it's important people understand that for that which is right, that which is empowering, that which is holistic, and that which is healthy. So we encourage people to come out to give their support, and uh, we, we certainly, I, I'll certainly be there, and I'm certainly hoping I'll see other people, you know, from Richmond there as well. Okay, we're going to Brother Moses and kind of response a question for our Brother Andre for the National Network on Cuba, Brother Moses. Well, I'd just like to say that a word of encouragement to say that they can fool some of the people some of the time, but they can't fool all the people all the time. And the people united will never be defeated. And so I have faith in the Cuban Revolution. I have faith in the, the party of, of, of the people of Cuba, the Cuban Communist Party. Um, and um, anyway, I I just say thank you for your work. Okay. Thank and you. Sister Eleanor. Any comments or questions for her brother, Sister Eleanor? I'd just like to say thank you very much, Brother Andre. Um, it was informative. Yes, and if you come up with um, your with telephone numbers and a website, well, you gave the website, but if you come across uh, numbers that you might share during the program, I think that would be very productive. But thank you so much for uh, being here this evening and sharing with us. 
Have a good evening. And, and we can try one more time to go to our caller. Last four numbers, 0796. Welcome to Africa on the Move, 0796. Caller, the mic is yours. Comment question. 0796. Okay, we'll move on. All right, Brother Andre, we thank you for your announcement and information. And uh, we definitely like to encourage people in the geographic area to be up there on the 25th to report, to support and show that solidarity for Cuba and its people. And like always, we'd like to also commend the ongoing work of the National Network on Cuba. Can you just briefly explain a little bit just to our audience what is the NOC and how can they become a member of it? Uh, if, I, if I could just give one other, uh, take a moment, one other thing. For those that <laughs> can't get to Washington, D.C. because of the distance, there are nine other cities that are having rallies and car caravans on the same day in solidarity. Like if you're in Los Angeles, there may be a car caravan or a rally there. Uh, some other cities up in the state of Washington, some cities out in the Midwest, Chicago. The National Network on Cuba is a organization that has been around, oh gosh, for quite a number of years, over, over a decade. And, of course, what it is is many Cuba activists that were around the country came together uh, over a decade ago to form a national grouping because it was an independent group here, an independent group there, another independent group there. It's uh, made of many, many different organizations around the country that all stand in solidarity with the Cuba, with Cuba and supports Cuba's revolution and supports Cuba's right to live free of interference by the United States and its Western European imperialist allies. Um, uh, you know, Cuba has a right to its own national sovereignty, and we stand and support Cuba's absolute right to its national sovereignty without interference. So we say, end the blockade against Cuba, U.S. out of Guantanamo Bay. Thank you. And on that note, my brother, again, we thank you, and um, we'll stay in touch. Thank you for your announcement. All right. Thank you. You're all welcome. Power to the people. All right, listen, audience, listen to Africa on the Move. What we're going to do here, we're going to take a station break, pause for the calls, and when we come back, we will continue just some announcements, and we will do an update on what's going on in our world and the community when we come back. This is Africa on the Move. I'm 
transition what's going on in your world and the community but before we make this transition I have one quick little announcement a notification of another important event to support the event around Cuba those who may not can make up to Washington DC and a rally the support of Cuba on the 25th if you know Richmond metropolitan area of Virginia there's an event that will taking place actually tomorrow Monday July 19 2021 at 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. called Bridges of Love in Richmond, a conversation on Cuba. They'll be having seven people from Cuba who, have, who is making a 1,300-mile walk from Miami 
to Washington, D.C. to petition uh, the Biden administration to lift the blockade. The event that will take place tomorrow will be sponsored by the Virginia Defender. Virginia Defenders for Freedom, Justice, and Equality. It will take place at Western Memorial United Church. And we encourage you to come on out. For those who can't come out, that's Western Memorial Light on the Pipe. If you go to that website, you can watch the program live. And for more information, please call 804 644 5834. That's 804 644 5834. Again, this will take place on Monday, July 19 at 6 30 at Western Memorial United Church, United Methodist Church, to meet with Carlos Lizzo and the rest of the Brigade of Love. Their team as they stop in ritual on their way to Miami, from Miami to Washington, D.C. Come on out and support the event. So at this particular time, what we're going to do, we're going to make our transition to what's going on in your world and the community. Now we'll start off right now with Brother Haiki or welcome back to Africa on the Move and tell us what's going on in your world and the community, Brother Haiki. Well, Brother Africa, let me just uh, talk a little bit about this question in terms of COVID-19. You know, I had promised, you know, I had some 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 thoughts in terms of COVID-19, specifically the politics and how they play themselves out. Uh, so anyway, I think this I think this would be somewhat interesting for people who are curious in terms of why so many people adamantly oppose taking this, this vaccine. But in any event, I want you to check this out about Africa. All right, now the evolution of COVID-19 is shrouded in mystery. The original narrative claimed its origin lied in what Wuhan lab, only to be revealed on numerous occasions this information was false. Falseness of the original narrative was corroborated by Dr. Peter Ben Embarek, a World Health Organization employee, who definitively stated the virus did not originate in Wuhan, China. Now, his, according to him and his team of the United, World Health Organization, they visited China labs back in February of 2021. Now, confusion around COVID-19 origin um, were first exacerbated by reports that stated the first person-to-person transmission of COVID-19 was observed in the U.S., the U.K., and Canada. This report went on to say the first 160 cases, uh, all exposure was outside of China. This revelation complicates the original narrative's timeline, which concluded China, and China alone <coughs> was the epicenter of the virus in 2019. Even in the context of the official narrative, questions remain. Initially, reports stated the discovery of a novel strain of coronavirus called 2019 novel coronavirus was renamed SARS-2 and changed to COVID-19 after declaration of public health emergency of international concern by the World Health Organization. By the World Health Organization's own declaration, SARS-2 appears to be the catalyst for COVID-19. If SARS-2 and COVID-19 are treated as one and the same virus, what would be the justification for creating a scientific uh, designation that suggests dualism which relationship exists between SARS and COVID-19. This concern is further comp- compounded by a medical protocol that utilizes vaccines specifically to create antibodies for SARS-2. Now, the level of confusion only magnified when medical journals require no medical treatment currently exists to treat COVID-19. 
If this is the conventional wisdom of the medical establishment, the question has to be asked. Why mandate vaccines whose, whose effects on the human body is unknown? But more specifically, what are the potential outcomes, good or bad, of receiving these vaccines? Now, the economic benefits of dispensing you know, vaccines for big pharma is well known. No legal liabilities, minimum production costs, and government mandates make production of vaccines very profitable. Concerns around profitability as motivation is always a concern. A pseudo-profit has historically overwhelmed all sense of human dignity. So upon learning of economic gains by G7 nations, G7 being the U.S., the U.K., Canada, France, Germany, Italy, and Japan, using COVID-19 to cash in was not surprising. It turns out that G7, along with the World Bank, World Bank is also known as the International Bank for Reconstruction and Development, created a bond market to sell to impoverished states. This strategy, which is unprecedented, seeks to make investment opportunities for wealthy investors to capitalize on poor states whose medical infrastructure is weak and debilitating inflictions like COVID-19 threatens the population. The plan, the Pandemic Emergency Financing Facility, PEF, will invest $500 million for operating costs, but will assume risk for investors losing money up to $425 million. The actual investment amount is only about $75 million for Africa and other impoverished states, which means considering the cost of the bonds, or the, the poor currency evaluation established by the IMF as it relates to African currencies, poor countries will not only be disadvantaged financially, uh, the World Bank is in a specific position to use its capital risk accounts, which they can think in hedge investments, to ensure that wealth investors do not lose any money whatsoever. In fact, the bonds are structured in a way the greater the needs of the impoverished states, the more hurdles they will, they will confront, thereby ensuring the World Bank and the wealthy investors prosper. Now, the alternatives to COVID-19 vaccine has been a source of contention for some time. Weatherlet, a virologist and coronavirus expert, maintains hydroxychloroquine or anti-malaria is effective in fighting COVID-19 because it targets the host cell where the damage is done rather than the virus. This contention is understandable given the conflicting claims around COVID-19 and the political brinkmanship being played out nightly by vested interests less concerned with cure for COVID-19 and more concerned with agendas. In order to rise above the phrase, certain information must be disclosed for people to make up their own mind. Last week, it was reported by the Food and Drug Administration they rejected the COVID-19 antibody test results. Tests used to evaluate immunity and protection from COVID-19 were flawed. It was revealed even though SARS and COVID-19 are in the same class of viruses, they differ in the manner each virus enters the cell. Revelations revealed the spike protein, which makes viral entrance into the cell possible, contained an enzyme called furin cleavage which aided the virus to penetrate the cell. Furin cleavage does not naturally occur in coronaviruses, and its presence baffled researchers. Researchers agree there are only three ways furin cleavage can attach itself to the spike protein that damages cells internally. One, random insertion mutation, which is manipulation of viruses which facilitate its spread. Secondly, recombination, which increases the virus adaptability, and thirdly, laboratory insertion. According to Dr. Lee G. Thomas, the presence of furin cleavage is not only confounding but contributes to medical results rendering the vaccines useless or infected or ineffective. Also, these vaccines will create antibodies against the spike protein, but no antibodies, antibodies for the virus itself. This is one of the drawbacks using the hydro, hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID-19. Also, after vaccination, antibodies are detected for the virus, but not the spike protein. 
Transmission of the virus is only possible once the spike protein penetrates the cell. Failure to create antibodies for the, for the spike protein at its best is useless. Vaccines failure to create antibodies for both the virus and the spike protein leaves a possibility of relapse or COVID-19 reoccurring after vaccination or continually reinfecting others. Now, if the vaccines are not effective treating COVID-19, why should big pharma continue to be compensated? If COVID-19 is extended to reduce the world's population by 10 to 15 percent, according to Bill Gates, there are more humane ways to reduce the population of the planet. Start by eradicating capitalism and its anti-human and anti-planet planet mandates. And I close with that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we'll go to Brother Moses. What's going on in your world and the community? Brother Moses. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa. Um, I'm still contemplating uh, the rather um, interesting uh, analysis that Brother Haki just put down. And, uh, and, uh, but nevertheless, um, it's, it's, it's been extraordinarily um sad situation when when uh the people uh, uh can be so duped and uh and uh in the, right in people in cuba who 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 who, uh, who know what the u s is like by now i think and and know what it's capable of and seeing what it's done and and don't and can't can't grasp the political economy. Basically, this is a political economy. That's the whole point, and that you know politics determines economics, and this capitalist system, this imperialist system, and this its politics have 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 a drastic effect on the Cuban economy, and uh, you know they they do everything they can to stop uh, the success of a socialist revolution, and. Uh, Anything that resembles socialism, they they try to suppress, and then they say, "See, now see, it doesn't really work." You know, after they sabotaged and did everything they can to embargo and do everything they can to to make sure it doesn't, that it has no chance of surviving, the, except for the courageous energy and morale and 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 ideological soundness of the. Cuban people and the, and the leadership of the party in Cuba, and um, and thank goodness you know there are people who who are conscious, and uh, I think you know that was that was a sad moment. Uh, 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 but um, the people united will never be defeated, and and the people the people you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time, and you know. The truth will come through, and the Cuban Revolution will survive. Long live the Cuban Revolution. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Following Brother Moses, we now will bring in Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, what's going on in your world and the community? Well, it's been a very active week, and I've been uh, observing what's happening globally with this pandemic. And there are definitely questions about the vaccine, as Brother Akeem has said, and also there's a problem with the 
the distribution of the vaccine for corona, the corona 19 virus. But the pandemic is real, and scientists around the world are, are struggling to find out its origin, its original origin, and, and, and we're not sure. Uh, I, when I say we, I mean we the world. But as Brother, said, Brother Robert said and Brother Akeem said, uh, researchers are speaking up, and the people themselves are, 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 are grounded in, in, in rational, sound behavior. We saw demonstrations in South Africa because of the uh, virus being out of control. There have been lockdowns, but only there are no resources for the working class. There, you know, there are food shortages and these kind of things. We saw in Lebanon where there's not even gas to run public buses and there's extreme hunger and poverty. We see that in Cuba, people are rioting because they have no way to, to receive the vaccine that Cuba has available for its people due to a lack of syringes. So the only thing I can say is that this week and every week I've been urging people to uh, take the vaccine. I know there are risks with taking vaccines in general, and maybe they should be avoided. In terms of this corona-19, science has spoke, and millions of people have died. And so I would urge everyone in this capitalist state to take the vaccine. Let's not let them sit on, on the shelf. And, 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 and have black and brown and white and red and yellow people dying in this United States while others are dying because they have no vaccine. Uh, Texas, I understand, uh, Florida, Minnesota, uh, less than 40% of the state's population have been vaccinated. One thing we do know about this virus, that if we don't save everyone, we can't save anyone. So it's a matter of time. So I would urge folks to take the uh, corona vaccine, whether it's uh, Pfizer or Moderna in this country, take it. It's a privilege that we are one of these wealthy countries that have the vaccine. Haiti has not received one vial, I understand, of the vaccine. And uh, there's going to be greater social unrest. Look what's happening in India at this very moment. So the only thing I can say is uh, let's save ourselves. Let's love each other. It's time. This is an unusual time, Brother African audience, but this Corona-19 is real. We have seen the impact it's had on the globe, on our country. Just what can I say? On the world, it's as real as global warming. So it's time to step up and not make this vaccine a political issue. Let it be a real health issue. It's really a human rights issue. And at this point, I think we need to carry the vaccine to the people. I think that in places like Capitol Heights, Maryland, a part of PG County, take it to the hairdressers, to the barbershops, take it where the people are, because many working class people do not 
have access to transportation, private transportation, and they can't drive up to huge amusement parks and take a, a shot. So bring it to the people. Bring it where people live, where there are food deserts. Take it to where they get their potato chips if you have to. But take it to the people. Administer the vaccine so this world can move on. I think it's important to save lives right now, Brother Africa. And I think it's not a U.S. propaganda thing this time. You know, uh, China has addressed the issue publicly of the of, of the virus. Russia has. Uh, we know that South Africa is struggling with a huge breakout. They're on their fourth wave. The continent of Australia also is in a wave. They had controlled it through uh, sound politics, through a united country, through an organized people. But now it's time for us in this bourgeois country. You know, they used to say bourgeois, D.C. is a bourgeois town, but this is a bourgeois country. Because here we have the availability of the vaccine, but we, we the dilettantes won't take it to the poor. And then there are these uh, Trump uh, people, these uh, these uh, foolish uh, QAnon people who are failing to take the vaccine. This is not a political issue. It's not red or blue. It's not Marxist or capitalist. It's lives, save lives by just taking the vaccine. So thank you so much, Brother Africa, for letting me share my thoughts with your guests and, and your panelists. And so- and Sister Eleanor, one of the most beautiful things about Africa on the Moon is that we have no issue people sharing their thoughts as long as you perceive it as being legitimate and genuine. And since you have shared your views, I would like to just share mine again. It would be contrary to the position that you have taken. I would say to the people, yes, it is political. I would say to the people, look, they have not proven the case to justify to take any of those damn vaccines coming out from Western Europe at best. One of the things I have been privileged of and look very familiar and very uh, consistent, people have sent in uh, um, their personal testimonies of things that have been going on with them that only took place after the ejection of, of the shot. Two of the people I know personally, friends, one of them is on their deathbed right now. After a month oh. and a half of taking a shot when they were totally had healthy records and no signs of any kind of health illness. Oh. I just listened to high-key analysis. I asked you and asked others who is an advocate to take these shots. You just listened to high-key analysis where they distorted, you know, this COVID-19 with this other uh, earlier name as being the same virus. I just asked the thinking world some fundamental questions around this game that is being played. I think tonight, title, the world is their playground and we are their toys, fit the discussion perfectly. I say to you and others, when has the West, when has the U.S. government, when has capitalism in its nature, had any compassion for poor 
and oppressed people. What's in the game for them to save millions of lives of people that they perceive as being expendable and they perceive as they are a drain to that system? What will motivate them to want to do that? I have a dog in this fight because I have a dog in this fight because it's a question of what's in the best interest of humanity. And as myself of being victimized by this process, I'm currently investigating my own health illness in relationship to these vaccines. Why are you believing the same folks, the same institutions, the same mindset that created this whole question of privatization and make money at all means and all expense. Why are we believing these same institutions and people when they created a system that that is really another form and aspect of, of, of slavery, which is a lot more sophisticated? Where does the trust come from? I still don't get it. I said, brothers and sisters and humanity, if you don't have to take that stuff, don't take it right now. They have not proven their case. Why have they let the U.S. and Western government off the hook of accountability? Why have they let the farmers off the hook in sense of accountability? Why is they protected under secrecy where they don't have to share what is the makeup of these materials? On what basis do we just believe them anyway? I have serious problems with that. So that would be my rebuttal to your position. We want to give people information. Once they get information, then enough of them to make the best and the most correct decision they can. So that is just my, um, you know, again, uh, where I feel about this. And I'm quite sure the rich and the wealthy ain't taking no shots. You can convince me of that. I know that. You're not convinced of that. I'm quite sure probably 95% of all the doctors, if not more, probably not taking no shots. But yes, they will advocate for you to do it. Yes, they will track you when you go to your doctor, track or urge you, make you feel bad. Yes, what's a better method if people are not taking the shot to create another false scenario of saying, look, if you don't, you will catch these, you'll do that. When they all admit it, even if you take it, you still may catch it. I don't get it, Sister Eleanor. I don't understand the drive to encourage people to take it. I think we need to hold back. Phenomenal. So anyway, before we take our break, uh, y'all heard my listen Quilligan, Brother Hackey, Moses, y'all can respond, then we'll take a break. Brother Moses, I go to you first. Can I say uh, anything? Yes, Sister Eleanor, you'll get your response in a second. You can come back and recount oh. and rebuttal. Sister, uh, Brother Moses, anything you'd like to say around the discussion or what has been said so far? Well, um, this is... Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I've taken the shot. Uh, I believe Dr. Fauci. I've, I've followed this thing up to now. That I'll explain historical materialism, and um, I don't reverse correct verdicts. And so, you know, um, I don't know what else to say. Um, everybody's got to make up their mind, I guess, based upon the, their knowledge and leaning on their own understanding. I guess uh, I'm a scientist. I have a respect for science, uh, and I've seen enough. People die already uh, to know that it's real. And so I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. You know, in the science, people are told 
many lives under the precinct that have been signed. But Brother Hockey, your response so far to what has been stated. Let, let's 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 do a, a, a brief brief walk through history. One thing we have to understand is that when these viruses evolve, uh, we have to keep in mind that you know they pose a risk to all human beings. So, for example, when we talk about the the creation of AIDS virus in a, in a laboratory, we understand the origins of the, of the AIDS the AIDS virus, but we also understand that it does very real damage to the human body. In that context, uh, some kind of vaccine has to be, be created, at least attempted to be created, to let counter the effects of AIDS. Now, up to date, there has been no, no vaccine per se that actually destroyed the AIDS virus. But we know definitively, based upon electron microscope studies, that the AIDS virus was, in fact, produced in a laboratory. And the question, of course, is that why would they create a virus that is so destructive to people? Uh, one of the things is that I think we also have to keep in mind that when historically we look back at AIDS and we talk about why AIDS exists. Uh, remember, originally they said it was from the green monk in Africa. Then they said, no, it's from homosexuals. They said, no, not homosexuals. It comes from Haitians. It comes from Haitians. Haitians are spreading it. They said, no, it's people in the African community who are spreading it. So clearly there were clearly these, um, these justifications to, to justify AIDS when the reality is they knew that AIDS was created in a, in a, in a laboratory. And as such, we can clearly understand that when they create something in a laboratory, it's not for the betterment of society. And we should be very clear on that point. But more importantly, you know, one of the things I, I, I thought I made it clear in terms of my opening statement, but let me make it a little bit clearer. Fury and plebiscite doesn't naturally exist. Okay, I talked about the spike protein. The spike protein is the actual part of the virus that goes into the cell. The damage is not done until it penetrates the cell. That's when the damage is done. Now, researchers say they give you three examples in terms of how furin clevocytes actually ends up in a, in a, in a human cell uh, when it comes to COVID-19. Random research mutation. In other words, what they're saying is manipulation of virus to facilitate the spread. Researchers use this, 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 this technology, this enzyme, when they're studying viruses to see how they mutate, how they might move. Secondly, recombination, which increases virus adaptability. Again, researchers in the lab use this, this technique to, 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 to create all kinds of conditions for the virus to see how it adapts to the conditions that are imposed upon it. That's the only way it can get into, uh, it's the only way it gets into COVID-19 ultimately gets inside the cell. Thirdly, laboratory insertion speaks for itself. They're saying that this process is the direct product of laboratory work. I can't get any clearer than that. Now, if you think for some stuff for one minute, that someone going to a lab to, to go through this work in terms of creating viruses for the sole purpose of, of impacting human cells, and you think that they're doing it because they're doing it for the betterment of human beings, I, I don't understand the logic behind that one. That has to be clear on something. As Brother Africa said, we got to understand, when we talk about neoliberalism, we got to understand, people in positions of power only crave two things, power and wealth. That's it. If you stand in the way of their achieving power and wealth, then you become superfluous. You become something to be removed. They have no, they have no problems in terms of eliminating that which they see as dead weight. We got to fully clearly understand that and the implications of that. And so the whole thing is that you're going to, that, that you got this 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 this, this so-called COVID-19, okay, uh, which has this proven clevocyte on a spike protein, which in essence what it does it it, it makes this, this this virus act more efficiently once it enters inside the cell. You tell me that you would encourage people to actually take that product? 
I don't understand the logic behind it one. Maybe the sister can clarify for me the logic. This is the science. This is not what I'm saying. And so is that a question in terms of capitalism, socialism, or communism, or any of that? This is the science. This is what scientists are saying who do the research. I talked to my physician of last week on this question in terms of fuel and clever sites. He didn't want to deal with the question. He didn't want to deal with the question. He, dis- he dismissed the question. Because in order for him to answer the question I was asking him, it would reveal that I understand that he understands that something fundamental wrong with the so-called vaccine for COVID-19. So we got to understand clearly when we talk about when you talk about the history in terms of you know eliminating people which you are so privileged, we got to understand that none of us, if we're not part of the ruling class, we're all expendable. It's very simple. Neoliberalism insists that you get rid of us. It has no other choice because neoliberalism can't exist. You know, in terms of in terms of in terms of enrichment of the most powerful people, if they don't get rid of all of these poor people who are drained on resources. And by the way, when we talk about a scarcity, understand scarcity is a human construct. These are people working together, systems work together to create scarcity. It's not that they can't go along and everybody, every person in the world, they can't go along to do that. If, if you know, if society was organized to do that. So let's be clear and let's understand. So when I talk about the role of fermenting clevocide in terms of being introduced into the spike protein when it comes to both COVID-19, understand, this is not natural. This was injected by laboratories. So I, I can't make it any clearer. And I close down and let the sister respond any way she wants to respond. Sister Eleanor, the mic is yours. Sister Eleanor, can you hear me? The mic is yours. Hello, yes. Yes, I was saying everything Brother Hakeem has said and you have said, Brother Africa, is so important and so true. But this is an unusual situation. These capitalists are we're expendable. You're right. We saw Bolsonaro in South America not even respond to the pandemic, saying it was uh, something that uh, was made up and manufactured. And he ignored it until the bourgeoisie started dying. We heard Donald Trump in the United States tell people to get some hydrochloroquine and Clorox, and they would be cured. But the reality is, I don't know why, but I decide on science. People are dying. I've seen people dying in my community from coronavirus. Millions of people had died globally. So at this time, I wouldn't trust a Western European vaccine, but I obviously, with great hesitation, trusted the Pfizer vaccine, and I was injected with it. So it is true that it can't protect you from it, but they claim it reduces uh, the level of infection. And I can only say that we need to continue to research this matter. That's why we need people like Brother Hakeem, you and Robert and Anthony and Maurice, so that these things can be examined. Because these are serious topics, and it's difficult to get to the truth. And at this time, I can only say that everything that you, your concerns are true. Brother Hakeem's analysis was excellent. Just this week, I read a scientist saying 
at first they said it wasn't uh, lab-produced, but now they're thinking they may have said that prematurely. I don't care who created it. I don't care how it got out. The reality is millions of people are dying. The reality is people in Cuba are demonstrating because they need syringes to take the vaccines. The reality is that people in Venezuela are better off today because they had the vaccine. The reality is Cuba doesn't export guns. It exports doctors and medicine. And it felt that its trial vaccine, as they said, was worthy of administering due to the nature of this coronavirus. So all I can say, it's a terrible situation. And anyone that can create an environment where they can do proper social distancing and do adequate hand washing and those things, and they don't have to go out in the world, perhaps they don't need the vaccine. But I just say that I have to side on science. And I saw what happened in South Africa. People are panicking because they don't want to go out because of the coronavirus. But they have no way of receiving unemployment or a stimulus check to back them up. So they're rioting and soldiers are in the street. We haven't seen this since apartheid. So something is going on in the world where millions of people are dying from something that scientists around the world have identified as the Corona-19 virus. I would not take any Western European vaccine. I've seen what's been going on there, but the bottom line is I was injected and I am moved by your concerns, Brother Africa, and have a greater understanding because of Brother Hakeem's analysis. And understand, when Brother Robert says he stands on the side of science, I have to stand in solidarity with Brother Robert, though I also stand in solidarity with you guys. I want us to live. I want us to be able to go on. And people are dying. Black and brown people are dying. Red and yellow people dying. Senior citizens are dying. Now even some children are dying. So what do we do from here? I do not know, Brother Africa. But thank you guys for helping raise my consciousness. And I'll continue this week to try to find articles and information produced by scientists to share with you guys on uh, what the vaccine consequences are, because no one knows. It was created so quickly, we don't know what the side effects will be. We don't know. And I well, that may or may not be, not, that may or may not be, well, go ahead, finish your points with Eleanor. I, I, I didn't want to take the vaccine myself. Originally, my doctors didn't want me to have it because of my uh, health, some health concerns I had. But I have a, a compromised autoimmune system. I'll share that with the public. However, I had no side effects from the Moderna vaccine that I received two shots of either time. So God knows what I got. I do not know. And I'm not claiming to have the uh, – I, I, I'm not a scientist. 
but I just see people dying. And I've been urging both Moderna and Pfizer to make their proprietary knowledge available to any uh, pharmaceutical producers in the world because there are questions about the quality of these vaccines, whether you're getting the Sputnik 6 from Russia, but everyone is racing to get a shot. Why is that happening, Brother Africa? Is this some kind of world panic? And why are all these people dying? Those are good questions, and it's not enough valid information for me to run out and encourage folks to go gladly and do because that's what they say. We've been this attitude of being a sheep just following the shepherd. We got to be very careful. Remember, they said there was a war. They, they have war against drugs. Was that really a war against drugs, or was that a war against um, people of color, people of poor? They said they have a weapon of mass destruction over in the so-called Middle Eastern countries. You went over that area and bombed countries up, and you found out that was a another lie. They went in Libya, told us all kind of wise, so they can justify destroying a total country. A unit that were in unity and harmony and doing good things. How many times did it continue to happen lie to the world and you continue to accept them for that word? After history, Brother Malcolm told us that history is the best to reward those who research. How many times do you have to be duped before you learn? There's just too much out there, too many contradictions, too much um, looking at patterns of their historical behavior. For, 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 I think for anyone to take what they're saying lightly in terms of being the truth. Uh, I don't know. These are only the issues that we are trying to raise, or I'm trying to raise, and the world needs to look at. Are there really any statistical data that's going on now studying the, studying the ear effects of those who are taking these things and maybe with association with shots? And if they are, are they willing to reveal these statistics? So anyway, we want to get the people something to think about. As we often say on the show, we're in the seat. We're going to take the heat as we define it. We're going to stand behind it. We're going to take a revolutionary culture break, and when we come back, we will continue discussion, and then we'll make a transition to our, to our theme today, which is the world is their playground, and we are their toys. This is Africa on the move. And you know what? If I had all the money in the world, this would I would do with it.
in chains, living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by the news, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be strong to last through my journey. Yes, to last through my journey. When we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. We must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be to know. That I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 made it through my journey, made it through my journey, Reno. A bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia. A scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino! You can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces, crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights, pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, 
and all the Pelorinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be, to know that I've been here, and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 yeah. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon as your host, Brother Africa. We're in the seat. We're going to take the heat as we define it. We're going to stand behind it. We'd like to welcome our Brother Anthony. And we'd like to ask Brother Anthony welcome to Africa on the Moon. And we share with us what's going on in his world and the community. Welcome, Brother Anthony. Okay, thank you for having me, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings to you, uh, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. Um, Let's see, I just found out uh, today that uh, Sister Gloria Richardson made her transition last week. And, uh, you know, and uh, for those who who are knowledgeable of uh, the history of our struggle, knows that she played a significant role in it in the U.S. And, um, you know, uh, you know, her work will be greatly uh, missed. And also, uh, it seems as if, um, you know, the U.S. is uh, intensifying its political offensive against Cuba and Venezuela, uh, partly because they've uh, these two countries have chosen a socialist path of development, and partly to distract, I, I think, people in the U.S. Uh, from the internal uh, crisis in capitalism that is going taking place here. And uh, I'm pretty sure I won't be too uh, long-winded because I'm pretty sure these are issues y'all have touched on already. And uh, but I think it's in, I think uh, you know the, it's important to keep these things in mind. And as Kwame Ture always pointed out, uh, the media in the U.S. lies all the time, and when it tells the truth, it's a result of a double lie, of a double lie. So uh, there, there really is a great deal of sifting of information that has to be done in order to arrive at the truth. Okay, Brother Hefton, we thank you. We will now make our transition to the discussion of our theme today, 
And our theme today is the world is their playground and we are their choice. And if you think about the theme, we took um, um, some looks at some articles that was out there. I encourage you to check out these articles, to Google them, and um, to critically you know, take a look at them and see how they may impact on your understanding of today's world. The first article was written on the 16th of July. This one was actually uh, written on the 16th of July, 2021. And it's titled Cuba Libre, Message Painted Outside Cuba's U.S. Embassy in Washington, D.C. It has under the picture a capture of Cuba Libre was painted in giant block letters on the street direct, directly in front of Cuba Embassy in Washington, D.C. on Friday following the unprecedented protests of the communist-led island last weekend. Now, when we look at this particular understanding, or when I view it as what it really is, it could be viewed as an act of war. Now, to do such an act in front of an image, and looking at the high-level security that takes place and exists around the whole city of Washington, D.C., I find it interesting that uh, it gives you the illusion that no one knows how I got there who did it. So panelists, again, this is another form of propaganda, warfare, attack against Cuba. Uh, what do y'all make of this particular act? i start out with you first, Brother Haki. I think you're right. I think there's a tremendous amount of complicity at play here. When we think about, you know, the kind of... Um, Surveillance and technology employed at embassies, and clearly uh, someone had to have known, uh, you know, uh, who it was who was responsible for doing that. The mere fact they were able to do it that suggests that people in positions of power among the, the the elite in the U.S. wanted that message out there. They want to create the perception that, in fact, that that, that the the U.S. citizens are diametrically opposed to socialism, you know, in, in Cuba. Uh, so clearly there was some, there are political considerations. So I, I think you're right. So the complicity that is as part and parcel of, you know, uh, as Brother Anthony talked about, the desperation, you know, uh, of, the, of the ruling class. One of the things that when Biden talks about Cuba being a failed state, I, I laugh because it's funny. Because if you look at in terms of the function of the United States, you know, you've got a situation in the United States where you can spend $13 billion for a damn aircraft carrier, the Gerald Ford, but you don't have any money for infrastructure. And so or you have people living on the street. You don't have people who don't have jobs. So if you talk about a failed state, then clearly America is a failed state. And the only thing that's holding America, uh, you know, uh, from, 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 from turmoil is the fact that a lot of people in society have yet to figure out exactly what's going on in society. To the extent that people are deceived you know, by the propaganda, I think you've got to credit the U.S. establishment with the ability in terms of formatting, you know, false ideas and getting people to gravitate and to accept those false ideas. But I think inevitably, just like all false ideas, people are beginning to see through that false ideas. So it's inevitable that change is going to come. But the thing that I, 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 I caution people against is the thing that's important to understand is that when we talk about the, uh, the decline of American empire, then we got to understand that they're not going to freely go. Uh, they're going to do all they can in terms of maintaining you know, their longevity. If that means pitting people against each other for the purposes of race wars or civil war or whatever you want to call it, they would do that. 
In fact, they're in the process of doing it. I'm going to talk more about that next week in terms of that whole process, which people don't know much about. But this is going to, I think, it's going to be an eye-opener in terms of some of the things they're doing in terms of facilitating um, uh, race war or civil war in a society where people are not necessarily understanding what's going on when they they hear certain kinds of news. But in any event, uh, you're absolutely right, Brother Alfred. It's it's a question of complicity, and I think, of the U.S. uh, in, 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 in terms of how it thinks in terms of ruling class. I think the position is that uh, you know, you know, spreading this notion that in fact that that all people in the U.S. are adamantly opposed to the Cuban government. I think they feel like it, it gives them some uh, some type of bonus points in terms of you know perpetuation of propaganda. You know, brother Anthony, uh, when you look at this article and knowing the location of the Cuban embassy on 16th Street, two blocks up from Malcolm X Park. We know that street can serve visit all the time, 24-7. You know, it's hard to believe that no one knew or saw who was doing it. What do you make of this particular article? And by the way, again, the first line in Zaga is, another, you know, they contain the lot to the people because Cuba is not and never claimed to be a communist state as of today. But anyway, Brother Anthony, what do you make of this article? Uh, this article shows that that uh, has, uh, as uh, you know, I agree with uh, your observations completely, and the points that Haki added, that there was complicity. I mean, uh, 16th Street Northwest is one of the busiest thoroughfares in in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. So it would it, it would be it, it would ne- be nearly impossible to do that sort of thing quietly without someone noticing what was going on, and without the involvement of uh, you know uh, the police and uh, park uh, you know establishment, and. Um, Bear in mind that Washington, D.C. has about uh, four or five uh, different police forces within it. So, uh, you know, considering that and the fact that it was in front of an embassy, which uh, under international law, the U.S. is obligated to, uh, the U.S. government is obligated to protect, uh, you know, I find it, uh, you know, uh, hard to believe that, uh, very hard to believe that uh, no one knew uh, what was going on. I mean, the masses of the people might, uh, may have been uh, in D.C. may have been in the dark about it, but uh, the ruling powers that control D.C. I think definitely, uh, you know, were, uh, you know, were aware of. Uh, you know this, uh, you know propaganda campaign that is going on. Brother Moses, your take from this article? Well, um, you know, I think you know Eleanor would be the best person to talk to about that. Just this is like uh, literally across just um, less than a hundred yards from her apartment um, on 16th Street there. And um, it is hard to believe that something like that could happen. I mean, it's on on that is a busy street, and um, everything everybody's been saying is true. And you know, I, um, 
Nevertheless, if they had to say Puerto Rico Libre, I would understand. But uh, but these counter-revolutionaries uh, have their support. Thank you. Here we go. This is Eleanor. Eleanor, what you take from this article? Let's see if we get bring in Sister Eleanor. Can you hear us? Hear me? Yes, oh, we can. Yes. Thank you. Um, I think these counter revolutionaries uh knew what they were doing and were out there demonstrating with full permission of the authorities. Uh you cannot stand without moving. You cannot just stand in water. And they were demonstrating. And Ma'am, what's your name? They were demonstrating, and that's a real problem. Ma'am. Yeah, can you give her my name, please, and take yeah. this in the kitchen? Yeah. Hello? Hello? I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, yes, course saying, it's it's a, it, it, Yes. Uh, it, it's hard to believe that that could happen. And it, and it only happened because it was intentional and supportive. Okay. Um, yeah, because I just thought it really interesting when I saw that and, and, and looking at their location and knowing the amount of traffic. And I think Anthony alluded to it. I think some kind of legal law enforcement agency uh, most likely had to be a part of that coordination just to be able to stop the traffic and do the kind of painting and lay out those large uh, uh, words, you know. You know, it's just it's just just amazing. But anyway, um, what we're going to do is let's go to our next article. And when we talk about these articles again, we are talking about them in the context of the theme tonight. As theme tonight is, this world is their playground, and we are their toys. And we find that you know the interesting are the things that goes on and they are doing. And there seems to be no accountability to that, to their behaviors and their activities. None at all. And speaking of that, will put, um, will make me think about um, this particular theme and this question regarding our toys is that this issue of they have leaked or spilled 17 million gallons of new raw sewage spill. In the Los Angeles off the coast area, and off the beach, 17 million gallons of sewage was recently spilled off the coast of Los Angeles, California. And it's impacted many of the beaches. And, you know, I raised the issue of when these large events like this happen, there seems to be that no one uh, are accountable to it and goes on at business as usual. Brother Anthony, in terms of looking at this particular act, you know, he's saying this is the playground, we are the tours. What you make of, you know, this act and why it has not received a large amount of public attention in terms of not only what happened, but the possible impact of it. What do you take from this article, Brother Anthony? Can you hear us, Brother Anthony? I think we had them all. We were going to bring Brother Anthony in. Dan, your mic is on, Brother Anthony. Your response to this yes. article. Yes. Um, 
I heard about the sewage bill until I read this article today. And I find it interesting that 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 quantity of sewage and given the population of the L.A. area of uh, nearly, uh, you're talking about several millions of people that are impacted uh, by this uh, kind of spill. And, uh, and uh, you know, the amazing thing is that uh, it is not, it has not made, uh, you know, there has not been a bigger outcry about the uh, uh, about this event, uh, and I think that's because uh, the media in the U.S. is owned by multinational corporations, and they have a, a huge monopoly over the information that gets conveyed throughout the U.S. And so it is not. Uh, so I, I think I don't think it's in the interest. Of the uh, of the ruling bourgeoisie to publicize this too widely, because uh, it would make people think about what is going on around them more. And uh, and uh, you know and uh, and I think uh, you know the greater uh, the, the the degree of danger, the more people uh, become aware of it. And uh, this does not suit the interests of the uh, ruling uh, of the U.S. ruling class well at all. And also, it is their control over information in the media and in their educational system that keeps a lot of people in the U.S. Uh, confused and/or very loyal. To the U.S. government, and uh, so I think, you know, to uh, to uh, uh, to report this widely, even though it's in the interest of the uh, of the masses of people that the word gets out as widely as possible, I think, um, you know, it's in the interest of the ruling class to try to keep business going as usual, and to keep tourism. In that, uh, you know, in the California area, you know, high as possible. You know, Brother Haki, when you look at this article, you talk about this whole question of pollution, pollution of the seas, pollution of the ocean, the ecological impact on the foods that you eat. When you're talking about the seafood, the fish, you're talking about all kind of possibilities of of, of chain reaction, how it can affect um, the fish in the water to the people who eat them. Um, what other things may come to your mind of the significance of looking at? You talking about last thing? I think it says 50, 50 miles off the coast, which they say is unusual, normally a little farther and a little more deeper, but just the whole fact. It seems like they are using the ocean just as a damn dumping ground, like we're talking about their playground. And that's the consequence of looking at Earth and treating it as if, you know, you know, this is the, the, it's a playground to be played played on. And regardless of not understanding the long-term impact, 
that it will let, that it will have on all of the environment and particularly the human beings who live on this planet. What's your make what's your take in terms of um this article when you read it? What came to your mind? Well, you know, I think I think we had to be we have to be very real. I think the insidiousness of planning, you know, by the capitalist class is nothing yeah. short than um, horrific. No. Uh, one of the things yeah. you got to understand that when we talk about injustice effect upon environment, it's not just a national problem, it's an international problem. So, for instance, when you think about Japan talking about releasing one million metric tons of treated radioactive water into the Pacific, uh, you know, when we talk about the Fukushima uh, nuclear plant in Japan, and when you talk about one million metric tons of treated radioactive waste into the water, understanding that it's going to have an impact on the coral, it's going to have an impact on the microorganisms that exist in the sea, uh, which the fish consume. Well, who do you think consume the fish? Human beings. So there's a direct relationship between what happens to the oceans and what happens to human beings. But, of course, uh, because, like you say, uh, you know, they, they, they treat the world as their own personal playground, they don't really care. I think for a lot of them, their position is that, listen, I'm here for a short period of time. When I'm when I when I transition was up is on them. I could care less. I think that's the prevailing mentality. A lot of these people in positions of power. Also, brother Africa, I think one of the things when we talk about in terms of the international insidiousness of insidiousness, you know of you know of, of capitalist planning. Remember the Marshall Island, only little island of Bikini told uh, the U.S. Remember used it as an experimental ground for nuclear weaponry. Uh, the place was the most radioactive place on the planet. Uh, there's been no repercussions for what the U.S. did. There's no big, no compensation for the people in Marshall Island in terms of what the U.S. did. Uh, it's just a wasteland. And, uh, of course, the fish are totally useless in terms of being able to consume. Uh, you know, you, you can't swim in the waters. I mean, it, it's, that means it's, it's complete devastation. So this, so this, this, this attitude, you know, that, uh, that they have a fundamental right to do things they want to do, irrespective of the harm that they create, I think it's something that unless the people stand up united and say, listen, enough is enough, it's not going to stop. And also, I think, let me just add this before I conclude, I think one of the things, um, you know, when we talk about this plant in, in uh, off the coast of Calif- in, in California, the Hyperion plant, it was built in 1894. Now, what's interesting about this plant, this plant is only, this, this, this pipeline is only built to accommodate 260 million gallons of treated wastewater. Well, the amount of waste is actually being, you know, exponentially increasing. And so, therefore, you have a very small pipeline created in 1894, which speaks to the, to the need for real renovation in terms of uh, infrastructure. The question is, Brother Africa, you got all this infrastructure need in America, but yet nobody willing to spend a dime on infrastructure. That is, that is ironic. As I mentioned before, they can spend $13 billion damn dollars on one aircraft carrier that doesn't work, but they can't spend they can't spend a couple of million dollars on a couple of million dollars on infrastructure repairs. So clearly, brother Africa, you're absolutely correct. I mean, the 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 implication is that this is their this is their this is their world. They run it the way they want to see fit. They benefit from it. Nope, the kind of destruction they 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 they, they leave in this path, they're not concerned about because their position is, in my estimation, is that once they're gone, they're gone and they don't care. So it's incumbent upon people to take a stand and to fight like crazy. Because if we don't fight like crazy, the planet they leave behind is not going to be worth living on. So clearly, uh, these people are these people got an agenda that's not in the best interest of a humanity. I don't know. Seems like they don't have a war against the people. They also have a war against nature. 
what you make of this particular behavior as we discuss it, dealing with this um, tons and tons of millions of raw material being dumped in the ocean? Absolutely correct. 17 million gallons of untreated sewage spilled into the ocean uh, near shore. Oceans, the ocean is the primary dumping ground, as Brother Hakeem had mentioned, for both our nuclear waste as well as sewage. We're killing ourselves. So it's not going to, it's going to be a community not worth living in. We're killing ourselves. As I had mentioned previously on other shows, in uh, near decades, uh, the southern hemisphere is going to be the new land grab. That will be Central South America and Africa because we will have destroyed the northern hemisphere. So it was no accident that... Uh, they dropped, uh, this, dumped uh, this um, uh, 1.6 kilometers offshore, uh, only 50 feet. The reality is that's 15 meters or so. The reality is is that they dump every day this sewage. It's only that, as the article said, it's five miles offshore rather than 50 feet. So this should have been a wake-up call for humanity. Let's change what we're doing. Let's change what we're doing. Now, in terms of the, uh, the, the, the waste matter, the type of waste matter, we see animals frequently dying because of the consumption and animals dying because of the consumption of uh, tampons and this sort of thing that they mentioned in the article. Now, there's an attempt to filter this kind of waste but it's limited at best. We are not using our best technology. An uh, interesting thing that I observed this week was a lobbyist for uh, Koi, who is a lobbyist for the oil, uh, the oil and gas companies, talked about their science and knowing what their science said about global warming, uh, climate change in the oceans, and how it impacted the world. And he discussed... Ten senators that were in his pocket, including the Democratic senator from West Virginia. So this is a, a bipartisan issue, greed and ignorance. So it's up to us to organize, educate the public, and save Mother Earth. If we don't save Mother Earth, we are killing ourselves. And we have to not only think about us today, but it's our children, the children of their children, and generations to come. So this should let us know, uh, and we're, we're blessed that we actually on Monday, uh, when we got the knowledge of the spill, and this just shows that some journalists are still working, because uh, uh, any ability to take a precaution like this uh, I mean, this is ridiculous. They had no precaution in place to address this issue. So I, I just think this is ridiculous. And this plant has been operating since 1984, as the article said. Going to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, you the man with the master plan. How are we going to deal with this issue? What's your take on this article? Well, well certainly, you know, the ecological just catastrophe, I mean, and yeah, it is a wake-up call, because I, I mean, I, I didn't know it was acceptable for them to be doing it, 
five miles out into the ocean, and uh, that's that's the standard operating procedure. And so, like, uh, it's really you know something's got to give. Uh, seems there's got to be a better way, uh, uh, because this this that's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's just um, what do they think is going to happen? What what do they think the repercussions going to be? Do you think it's just not going to have any impact on the environment? It's amazing. So anyway, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to preach to the choir, but, you know, something, something's got to give. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Brother Moses. We, we're on the seat. We're going to take the heat, and we're going to, we're going to stand behind it. And you really want to look at an article that typifies the theme tonight, the words that are playground, and we are their tours. We suggest to our listening audience on Google and go to and Google this article as it relates to Facebook sell like clan may not be dead, but Amazon. And what it talks about, it says that back in 2016, Facebook began um, thinking plans to launch an internet satellite project that was meant to be part of a Mark Zuckerberg off repeated plan to connect the world. Five years later it took like the companies back down with Amazon taking its place. The information was first to notice that more than a dozen members of Facebook's former satellite team have since joined up with Amazon Project Capia. The, the e-commerce giant ambition project to build its own set of satellites to circle the globe. Facebook ex-head of Southern California Connect, Connectivity, Jan Baines, now lists himself as the project director on his LinkedIn page, while multiple engineers from Facebook team have made that migration as well. Now, we look at that article, we look at the relationship between Facebook and Amazon. Fundamentally, uh, panelists, are there any difference between the two? It seems like there's a collaboration, not only with with, with these multi companies, but I think this whole aspect of looking at how to control information communication. It's a conglomerate of, of individuals and companies that I believe is working together. Now, when you look at this particular article, what is the what is the danger? But here you're talking about allowing one country selling its so-called ideas and employees to another company to build hundreds and thousands of satellites all over the world. What is the implication of that? What is the danger of that? Also, is this another race? Again, now we're going to pollute the atmosphere. Will there be enough space for other folks who may want to use space up there to do certain things? In terms of they produce satellites, we become a race wall, a battle wall in space over who has access to, to the atmosphere. Brother Anthony, you start us off with this one. Your thoughts on that? Okay, uh, several things. I, um, I think it, your observations are right on point. And also, there is the danger uh, to the atmosphere of having so many satellites uh you know, uh, you know, m- m- moving around the planet, and uh, and no one has talked about 
the effect that that could have on the atmosphere. Uh, you know, things like, uh, you know, not only air quality, but, you know, atmospheric conditions in general. And also there's the danger of uh, of a few individuals having a, a monopoly over the information that is uh, that is uh, broadcast around the world, and uh, that's a dangerous monopoly. And the U.S. itself is confronted that, with that reality today, with only a handful of corporations in control of of a large percentage of the information that people get about not only the uh the what's going on in the US but what happens around the world and uh so it's a very dangerous situation uh both from an environmental and uh and an educational standpoint and uh what if um, other uh other countries that are outside of the 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 the, the in, 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 in imperialist forces decide they want to uh you know uh you know do it do experiments in uh in, in outer space will there be space for uh you know for other people to put up satellites once they've developed the capability of doing so and uh this is a very dangerous situation and uh it should be taken uh very seriously i think one of the things i i i've learned uh from uh, from my work in engineering is that pollution does not respect political boundaries so what happens in one part of the world can definitely have an effect on another part of the world and in a different area. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Brother Haki, is this another battle of a race to have war in inner and outer space? Is this another attempt of colonizing the whole world? Is this another attempt to create a a system where you can monitor folks, monitor their resources globally, more precisely, 24-7 every day. And again, I maintain power immunity satellites will be have, they will have means of self-protection where they maybe will have lasers where they can pin themselves and score other mechanisms. What is your take in danger of this phenomenon, Brother Haki, and its impact on the future world? Yeah, I, I agree with everyone. I think that the congestion in outer space, when we talk about sending 3,200 satellites, out of space. It's going to be a problem of congestion. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of satellites. But the national security implications are very, very real. To have a private company to have access to all this private information, to actually be in a position to disseminate propaganda at will, uh, poses real national security risk. So if they, so for instance, Amazon wanted to create war, it has within its power the ability to create the propaganda to justify war. This is a very scary scenario. I think one of the things, Brother African, that you say I think is really important to point out. When we talk about colonization, we understand the colonization that exists on the planet, but we don't necessarily understand colonization when we talk about outer space. And certainly one of the things that uh, the former President Trump talked about, he talked about a space force. And there hasn't been much discussion around the space force, but I suspect uh, that it's still in play. Uh, and the space force 
it's a realization that somehow in order to, to maintain dominance of the world, then you have to have weaponry in outer space in terms of attacking your so-called perceived enemy. And so, therefore, it seems to me that with all these satellites, and you're talking about 1,300 satellites, it seems to me that it's inevitable that some of these satellites are going to have that kind of technology. So I think the struggle for the people in positions of power is to create the kind of technology where they can use space, you know, laser weaponry out of space. I think right now there's a tremendous amount of money that's being invested in terms of labor tech technology as relates to outer space. But once they perfect it, one thing is clear, they're going to use it. And this is a very, very scary scenario. I, I think also, um, you know, uh, one of the things when you talk about the impacts in terms of you know, human life on, right on the planet, in order to receive the signal from these 3,200 satellites, they're talking about, you know, these large stations here on Earth which generate a tremendous amount of radiation, uh, which has an adverse impact on the health of the human beings. Already we talk about the impact of 5G technology in terms of the ability to, to, to fill format, you know, radiation in terms of adverse impact on the human beings. Now we're talking about radiation, you know, two, three times the strength of 5G technology. So clearly, Brother Africa, uh, you know, what they're putting into place is, 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 is not only foolish, but it's very, very detrimental, very, very dangerous to, to, to human beings per se. And, and I think that, again, this is indicative of the kind of mindset of, of a group whose position is that they own this planet, they do what the hell they want to do, when they want to do it, and the implications for human life be damned. They simply don't care who it affects, how it affects them, and when it affects them. So clearly, uh, again, you know, if we don't do something in terms of, you know, eradicating this capitalism, uh, this whole capitalist mindset, then one thing is clear, you know, that we're all in a, a tremendous amount of trouble. And also that goes along with this type of thinking and planning as it relates to our theme, this is our world, this is our playground, and we are they are tourists. There seem to be uh, an assumption that they must feel somewhat confident that they will be able to control their own the necessary resources, not the resources that it, that they would need in order to accomplish, you know, this particular um this particular um, program, this particular goal and objective. And when we talk about natural resources and where they're coming from, it just means also increase more pressure on Africa, African people, and people around the world who sit on top of these important minerals. Um, Sister Eleanor, uh, we just assume that they think they're always going to have control of our resources and, and they think they'll be able to do what they please. What you make of this article, Sister Eleanor? Talk to us. Shocking. It's shocking, uh, brother. It's not, the article's not shocking, but the whole theme is environmentals, uh, in, us as environmentalists needing to stand up. Right now, there should be a moratorium on all satellites in space. The U.S. government placed satellites satellites in space that are right now, as as everyone said, they're able to observe all of us right down to being able to tell whether or not you're in your home so you can't hide. They may not see your face, but they can locate you by heat sources and tell whether you're the cat running around the house or your cousin running around the house. So these are already taken care of. We already uh, have connected the world for nations without an infrastructure to allow them to operate their computers and phones. That was taken care of and uh, long before it became an emergency because what we saw when these capitalists 
divested in the U.S. workers and begin to do all their manufacturing in China and uh, uh, Asia. Uh, in Malaysia, we saw textiles. In, in China, we saw everything from um, we saw everything from um, laminate floors to steel. First, they took over the steel industry in China to production of cat food. So the capitalists are united. The, 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 the imperialists are, are, are strong. What we as a nation should do and as a world, we should have a global mandate on a moratorium on all satellites going out in space. It should not be open up to the capitalists, to any private investment. We saw last week that Richard Branson, Sir Richard Branson, uh, went out in space for fun, and he's planning on making it a a joy trip. If you have $250,000, you can go to space. He already has 600 reservations. Well, every time you break through the ozone, you're damaging the earth. We need to focus on what's going on here right now. And it means stopping the divestiture of Mother Earth. Invest in Mother Earth. Stop the destruction of the Amazon forest. Stop the killing of the whales. We just found out that whales actually help produce CO, uh, produce, uh, produce uh, taking carbon. So, so that we can breathe. They're using the carbon and taking care of some of these small animals on the bottom of the ocean. Well, if we're feeding them sewage, they're having a hard way to go. We just saw seals bike, b- bank in Australia because uh, these birds were, 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 that they normally eat just had uh, uh, flown to Australia outside of their native commuting patterns. Well, this is because they're running from the toxicity that we're creating. We're dumping in, the ocean is the number one dumping spot for number two plastic. We send all our plastic to China. Well, China's not repurposing that plastic. They're not sending us a bunch of new plastic pants and T-shirts and new phones. They're dumping it in the ocean. So we need to make sure that this is an issue that the whole world, that every nation is a part of. And we should follow Cuba. They don't have all this. They don't do all this dumping. They're organic farmers. But this whole phenomena of satellites in the world, you see that uh, uh, Facebook back down. Everyone needs to back down, and it should, they should back down because the U.N., the League of Nations, the United States, Canada, the G7, the G20, everyone demands it. And the Congo, the Congo, and which Congo is this? It wasn't clear to me in the article. Is it the Congo, Kinshasa? Which Congo are we talking about? Can someone please tell me? Congo Kinshasa. Yes. Former Zaire. So the Congo Kinshasa. Okay. 
Well, the Congo Kinshasa has so much work to be done. They changed their name. I knew it as Zaire, now it's the Congo. We got a couple of Congos out there. But the point is, no, this is not for the health of the planet or the health of the people. And we cannot continue to invest in the whims and wishes of the 1%. It's time for global justice. So this means we need a global environmental court and we need a global environmental management team that holds every nation to its treaties and our goals of saving Mother Earth for future generations. How can we save the Earth Earth if we're going to allow the pollution of continuously breaking through the ozone? And yes, all of the things that Brother uh, Haki and the and Brother Anthony mentioned is already possible. And why should we have private interests able to observe what the people of planet Earth are doing, what we're discussing, what we're gardening, what we're building? This 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 type of observation goes far beyond. What what we know as uh, social monitoring, this goes far beyond speed cameras. This is an unbelievable thought and project, and the scope of it is far too great for us to allow uh, to think of uh, space as some unclaimed territory that anyone who can get there can claim a stake. So we, the people, have to stand up by creating environmental agencies that will stop this type of investment, uh, rather this type of uh, disinvestment in in space. We need to stop it now. It's not something that should be allowed. The brother, uh, Richard, Richard, last comment, Richard Branson couldn't build a space uh, site in, in, in the United Kingdom, he had to come to uh, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. There's a lot more to that name than you would imagine. So we need to just say no. Uh, Moses, your response to that, Brother Moses, down. You'll respond to Brother Moses. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not sure where to start. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off for right now. Hold off. Thank you. Okay. You know, panelists, when we also look at this plan, I'm quite sure those satellites gonna have some kind of application for military use. And it can be in conjunction with uh, this whole issue of, of, of working with uh, U.S. military components. Um, I find interesting when you talk about the Congo, and you know the Congo geographically is one of the central part area of Africa. It'll be used also, I think, you know, to do, to do things that would be beneficial for military use of surveillance, so they can make sure they properly monitor. Now in the minerals, the underground, but all of the movements and behaviors of the people, it's like they have always set up a process to capture and imprison 
the, you know, not only Africa, but the world in general with, with this mega plan. Uh, and y'all response to that, to that possible scenario in reality. Stop with you, Brother Anthony. Yes. Um, I think all of these plans that were, that, uh, you know, that this article and other articles allude to assume there's a, a, an assumption that the world is going to stay the way it is right now. And, uh, and I think it's critically important uh, that the masses of the people around the world get organized because that is the only way that we will be able to mount an opposition to uh, you know, to do as uh, Eleanor suggests. In other words, create these commissions uh, that would uh, that would that would regulate the exploitation of uh, of the environment. One of uh, the uh, the myths of capitalism is that uh, is that uh, the resources of the world are infinite. They're not. there's a definite limit to the resources of the world, which is part of the reason why capitalism is in such a tremendous crisis, because the resources of uh, uh, of the planet, and I'm talking about human as well as uh, mineral and uh, you know uh, natural resources are are are, are definitely limited are finite uh there are limits to how much you know uh, you know you can uh that uh you know people can exploit the earth and not expect a response that could be dangerous uh to the entire planet like climate change, for example, that is the result of uh, of the super exploitation of the land, water, and air resources of this planet. And uh, so, uh, so it is important uh, uh, for for the future of our children. And, uh, and 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 grandchildren and great grandchildren that we organize as a people in order to defeat imperialism wherever it manifests itself. Brother Haki, it's interesting the article point out they starting out in the Congo and Azania, South Africa. I wonder why I do it to a particular area geographically. It's your response to, but just to the whole idea, I think it's more to this plan than just dealing with, you know, um, this global thing for internet working. I think it's a bigger plan in terms of more putting them in position to be a part of the military industrial complex system to colonize, you know, the rest of the world. Again, they see this as their world. And they see us as their toys. Your response, Brother Haki. Yeah. Uh, there is no question about it. The military applications, I think it's very clear. But having said that, I think one thing we have to be very clear on, the technology exists in terms of monitoring the minerals, you know, in the land already exists. So they can do that with the technology that Correct. currently exists over the current satellites. Uh, but one of the real dangers, though, Brother Africa, I think, is, is the, when, once 
once um, once the U.S. Uh, you know uh, militarizes space, then it's going to lead to a a, a, a a arms race in space, which means that both China and Russia, also Iran, will also be compelled you know to create you know uh, some countermeasure uh, to U.S. threats. So clearly, as long as you got these threats, you know, uh, bandied about, as long as you got the U.S. being the catalyst for all these threats, then other nations are going to, re- are going to reciprocate in kind, which means that not only do you spend huge sums of money for military application, but inevitably you make it, the world that much more of a, 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 a unstable place. Uh, so clearly it's very, very absurd and very, very crazy. But let me just say something real, real great about scarcity. I think this is a question that we have to have. Because in my position is that when you talk about scarcity, let's be clear. When you talk about scarcity, you can't talk about scarcity without talking about capitalism. And when I talk about capitalism, and when I when I talk about capitalism, the reason that that's important that the two, uh, the two, uh, the two go hand in hand in terms of scarcity, is because one of the things is that if your bottom line is to to prosper, uh, if the if 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 profit is more important than anything else, uh, any type of planning when it comes to resources is is unimportant. So it's not a question in terms of how to intelligently use the resources. It's more a question in terms of, you know, the exploitation of the resources for the purpose of, of, of gain. And so, therefore, there becomes a tremendous, uh, a tremendous effort is put forth to make sure you, you gobble up as much resources as you can because the more resources you have, the more you can export those resources for profit. And so, therefore, so there's a so there's incentive in terms of capitalism to keep doing that. And so anytime you have a situation where uh, – you know where you where you where you, where you, you know, where there's no planning where you where you simply say that you know that greed is the final barometer in terms of business act then you're going to have a scarcity and that's important we understand that if we talk about for instance agriculture now in the Congo as I mentioned earlier the Congo itself has enough land space enough fertile land arable land to feed the world if in fact it was organized right the problem is that in context of capitalism it's not about organization it's not about planning it's about product it's about one productivity, and secondly, is about profit. And so, therefore, so if you can export those, export that land uh, in a way in which it's profitable. Uh, you make money, but you destroy the land. In the same token, if you plan in terms of, you know, if you strategically plan how what crops will be grown, rotation of those crops, uh, how those crops will be disseminated. If you do those, all those kind of things on a global basis, then you can not only feed the people, then you, scarcity wouldn't be an issue. So we got to be careful when we start talking about scarcity as though somehow scarcity is just inevitable because that's precisely what the capitalists want you to believe. They want you to believe scarcity is inevitable, but in reality, they're the ones who create the scarcity. And so, for instance, we talk about oil. You know, it's not the only reason you have scarcity in terms of oil is because you have, you have a, 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 a marketplace which says that individuals, private individuals, got a right to own the oil. Well, if you're a wealthy person with deep pockets and you've got futures in oil, you control oil, then you buy as much as you possibly can. You control the supply of oil. So if I want to create a scarcity, me and my rich friends don't care scarcity in oil, we just don't sell our oil. We just hold it. Well, as a, you know, inevitably the prices rises. You know, at some point I might sell it, but if I wanted to just to be maniacal, I could simply just me and my wealthy wealth buddies, we could hold it and we not sell it, which would skew scarcity. And so there'll be no oil, there's no production for gasoline, any of that stuff, because you got private individuals with wealth who create the scarcity. So we're talking about a system in place. And this is what we have to understand. We're talking about a system. And unless we destroy capitalism, all the scarcity that we keep talking about is only going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And see, make no mistake about it. The ability for the planet to sustain, sustain this population is not an issue. Because if you think back, when we started in the early 19th century, 
you know, when 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 Mathis, uh, the philosopher, the economist, when he started talking about scarcity, he would talk about scarcity in a time in which the world population was less than three million people, a little over three million people. So clearly, you know, well, I'm sorry, not but ten, and that was uh, it was it was uh, thirty million people. So so when you talk about so when you talk about scarcity, you ain't talk about scarcity without understanding con- uh, uh, some context. And that context is, is capitalism. And so long as you got capitalism, you're going to have scarcity because the bottom line is about profitability. It's about making money. That's it. It's not about wise use of the resources that exist. See, you could the earth is big enough to accommodate its population. But if, the, if you don't have nations working together to, to plan in terms of how resources will be used, how they'll be exploited, how the populace will benefit from these resources, then what's going to happen, you have individual greed determining, you know, what resources will be exploited, which will be reduced, which will be used, and so forth and so on, which means that they're not concerned in terms of the most efficient use of resources. They're concerned with profit. Everything they do is about profit. So they just willy-nilly create all kinds of systems to make sure uh, that they, 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 they exploit the resources of the planet ruthlessly, and in the process of uh, contributing to this thing that we call scarcity. So scarcity and capitalism go hand in hand. If we're not going to destroy capitalism, then we got to understand that this thing of scarcity is going to continue to exacerbate. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And this is the fundamental problem we have. So for people who don't, and so for people who don't think about that, think long and hard in terms of, you know, you know, when you talk about capitalism, why does scarcity and capitalism go hand in hand? It's because of the exploitation of, of resources. It's, there's no planet. There's no forethought. There's no intelligent use of resources. It's simply to, to enrich oneself. And so as long as you've got such a system, then you're going to have scarcity, and I'll close with that. All right. You let, Sister Eleanor, you get the last word on this article. Sister Eleanor. Well, the last word on this article is that I'm sorry I wasn't clear. Right now, the satellites in space have military capability. There's nothing lacking. They're currently banned, uh, like there's supposedly bans on uh, germ warfare. There's bans on certain kind of space warfare. We're not allowed to shoot lasers at each other and this kind of thing. Again, we see that uh, uh, Facebook sold its interest to Amazon. And again, as Anthony said and as Brother Hakeem is saying, and as you have said, Brother Africa, we need to, as environmentalists, make sure that, as uh, he said, Brother Anthony called them commissions. We need to see that there are world commissions established to stop all current satellite um, production in space. We build them on Earth and take them to space. We break down the ozone every time we break through. This should not be something allowed for any capitalist, any person with uh, money, you know, that has the money to do. This has to be stopped. We need a current restriction. And um, as you see, they want to do the fiber optics under the uh, uh, the fiber optics uh, in the Congo. But remember. In this country, Verizon paid for the fiber optics, but these big capitalists worked together because they were beating uh, Verizon down. You can't even find a phone uh, booth anywhere. So they've isolated 
uh, the elderly and folks that don't have mobile phones. If you're attacked in the streets, there are no call boxes because they were taken out of commission years ago to call the police or to call the fire department. So this is a community safety problem in itself. But what I see about this article is a wake-up call. It's saying that the first few thousand satellites in the network and nine rockets meant uh, uh, to place uh, the first few thousand satellites into the network, this would have a devastating impact on the ozone. We forget that the air and the waters are are a part of the world. We we think as capitalists as working people and that we ignore the fact that what you do to the air affects everyone. You know, the capitalists at least sell air rights at this point. So why on earth are we on this show ignoring the fact that we should stand together at least at this moment to say that we would urge uh, uh, the the all world organizations to have a moratorium on satellite development in space by private corporations. We don't want this to be another uh, private uh, public partnership. We see how they fail on Earth. You know, we've seen the privatization of housing for poor people. It's just a ripoff. This is a danger to our environment. It is an environmental justice issue. And the military implications, are you kidding? It, 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 there, it, we already have all these things in space. And, they, uh, and it was because of the impact that the military could have or the controls that individual governments could have. And we're going to trust private interests. These capitalists already realize that they need to have colonies on other planets because the Earth, its days are numbered. With our current behavior, the current destruction of planet Earth, our current use of, 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 uh, of the ocean, of the airways, the current uh, uh, drought, and, and look at it. Right now, it's flooding in Japan. It's flooding in Russia. It's burning in California. If, if some uh, cyber guys were to take over the power grid in California, people would die today. So this should t- alert us and tell us there should be no private interest in space. This is not the time for it. We do not have not the knowledge to let the capitalists do as they wish. We do not have the time to let private interests just uh, risk all of our lives, risk our planet. We don't know the environmental impact of them being in space, but we already know the environmental impact of putting them in space and the harm it does to the ozone. So I would simply say uh, this was a wonderful article. I am constantly being informed and educated. And Mark Zuckerberg does not speak for the people of the world. So I'm so glad that he uh, sold his interest to Amazon, but 
uh, Jeff Basil does not speak for the interests of the world. He's going to space himself on his own spacecraft next week. So what are we doing? They already are telling us. They don't, they're not going to tell you, hey, you know, we know we're destroying the earth, so we're looking for somewhere else to live. You know, we don't know how long we can hold up in Central, South America, and Africa, so we're thinking ahead. We're, we're, we're setting up uh, fiber optics in the Congo, so, you know, when we get there, we'll be able to communicate with our brothers and sisters and make sure that we're getting our uh, smartphones and our tablets built so we can keep business going as normal. This article says that as clear as anything. So it's up to us to just face the facts of what we're reading. And the and uh, that's all I can say about this. This is a real danger for the world environmentally. Military, military. Are you kidding? Again, they can they have moratoriums on firing at us in space. But once you let a Zuckerberg have control, right now he can cut off your internet or my internet. Right now, Mother China can shut down power plants to detonations from China. So do we need, what do we not need to know about this phenomena that we've come upon in the age of uh, uh, the IT of the computers? We need to get that information under our belts and make sure that there is an absolute moratorium on any satellites being placed in space by private interests and including public-private partnerships. This is, this is all I'm reading in this article. And the fact that they, they, they take all the scientists and the physicists, um, you sell, you know, Facebook's able to sell that to Amazon, and they're still on the move. And again, remember, Jeff Bezos is on his way to space. In a matter of days, not years, not months, but he's on his way. And anybody that takes a team of 500 staffers, uh, uh, and and there are more than 200 job listings up uh, on the Amazon site for engineers, physicists, and researchers, and software developers to work on this project. All we need to do is set up legislative blocks to stop it now. Do whatever you want here on Earth, but you're not taking it to space. Thank you, Sister Eleanor, our panelists, our listening audience. We're going to take a break with music, with a message, Revolution Music. When we come back, we're going to ask for your closing thoughts. The world is our playground, and we are their toys. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the move. They do a great show. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land Some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine. Palestine. 
needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. Needs our love. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth. Take a stand for justice, that's what we've got to do. Cause Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. Needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. People of all countries, of every race and creed, we need a new beginning. Let us plant the seed. Plant the seed of love and let that love seed grow. Plant the seed for everyone so all the world will know that Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. Needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. We are the Fruit of Labor Singing Ensemble from North Carolina. We are the cultural arm of worker and civil rights organization Black Workers for Justice. Um, we came in from Raleigh, North Carolina, from Jacksonville, North Carolina, from Durham, um, and we're here because we support and we are part of the labor movement, but also part of the environmental justice movement too. We are with UE150, the North Carolina Public Service Workers Union, local of the United Electrical, Radio, and Machine Workers of America. In our communities, we fight on the job, but we also see the need to fight in our communities. There is no distance between the two. If we want justice on our jobs, we have to fight for justice in our communities. A lot of our communities face um, environmental hazards. Uh, some of us come from communities that have super fun sites in the middle of them. Some of us are part of organizations, environmental organizations that fight against coal ash ponds, that fight, that are currently fighting against the um, Atlantic Coast Pipeline, which will come through predominantly of colors, communities of color. 
black and Native American communities. Um, so we're fighting against that. We're fighting against hog farms, uh, proliferation in North Carolina, and the dumping in our streams from being contaminated from hog farms. So we see the intersections between workers being poisoned on the job and workers being poisoned in our communities. We want to close with a song. So we wrote a song, Fruit of Labor wrote a song uh, about water contamination based upon struggles that were going on in North Carolina. So we're going to do a little bit of it right now. Okay. It's called Justice Flowing Down Like Water. Family drank from a deep clear well to the hearts and moved underground. Now the only story left to tell is innocence lost in community action. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Little girl don't read so well, there's a lot that she'll never see. Some say it's the mercury in the fish mama heat. Power plants causing you and me. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Justice flowing down like water. Clean water safe for all. Clean water, clean water safe for all. That's it. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. We will make our closing remarks as it relates to today's theme. The world is their playground and we are their toys. Right now, before we make our closing remarks, we're going to ask everybody to give me two minutes. Let's make this quick announcement again. Just to remind some of our listening audience who may have not been with us at the beginning of the program. It's encouraging to just come and support out the Cuba rally that will take place on the 25th of July in Washington, D.C. For more information, please go to the National Network on Cuba to find out more about the information. Also, tomorrow, this upcoming Monday, by the Virginia Defenders for Freedom, Justice, and Equality at Western Memorial Church from 6.30 to 9 o'clock. They will be hosting a program called Bridges of Love a conversation on Cuba. They will have several American Cubans coming to town and marching from Miami to Washington, D.C., 1,300 miles, to raise the issue of why there's a need to end the blockade against Cuba. So if you're interested in that program, please come to Western Memorial Church, which is located on the Canterbury Turnpike in Richmond, Virginia. And for more information, please contact 804 844-5834, 844-5834, Now, for our closing remarks for our theme today, the world is their playground. We are their toys. We start off with Brother Moses. Your closing remark for today's program, Brother Moses, the mic is now yours. Well, is that the famous song just said, if you want something to play with, go find yourself a toy. Uh, because my time is too expensive and I'm not your little boy. But anyway, um, um, 
you know, the the bourgeoisie, you know, thinks it can do anything it wants to do, and uh, and that we will be subject to their whims. And uh, you know, we have to have self determination. We have to have our own independent program of action, um, which guides us, and um, and not become victims of, of somebody else's program of action, more or less. And um, so um, organization is the key. I think, you know, we need, we need, we definitely need organization. Uh, uh, without organization, nothing can really be accomplished ultimately. Uh, and so I urge everyone to get organized. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Next, we'll make our transition to Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, your closing remarks for today's program. Um, I think today was uh, remarkable, and I'm going to tie in all three articles. On On Thursday, when they were at the Cuban embassy, they were there for more than two hours. There were horns blowing. There were people up and down the street for two blocks and they were defacing the sidewalk with no intervention. I rode over and I saw what had happened. It was done with chalk, but they had no permit to the best of my knowledge. They did not keep moving, and they were not from the Cuban embassy. So there was some problem. Um, uh, Hold on, someone's just gotten in my network and is asking me to reset a password. Um, One moment, Cynthia, is this? Um, and 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 so this shows us how uh, certain people and certain political interests, their rights are uh, a place before others. Then we moved right into this uh, environmental catastrophe in the ocean. And uh, again, uh, there uh, right now the, the company should be. In, we didn't hear anything in this article about tickets and penalties and what what kind of uh, retribution they're going to receive for this environmental hazard. And then we moved from there to an ozone catastrophe with private interests. So now's the time for us to organize globally. The reason people in Cuba were arguing and complaining this week is because there's such a problem with them getting Corona-19 relief. Relief. People are dying. The Cubans want to be vaccinated. They want to stop this. This is murder. This is genocide of the Cuban people. They need their syringes. They want to be vaccinated. So we may not answer this question for you, Brother Africa or Brother Hakeem, because vaccines in general are a problem. But this corona pandemic is something that is affecting the entire world, and it's having an extraordinary adverse impact on the Cuban people. And that's why they had to shut down their social media. But we do it here in the United States. We even had to cut down that fascist. President Donald Trump. So that's not something only Cuba does. The the Chinese do it. The Russians do it. They're doing it in Belarus. Moby did it. Uh, uh, the, the guy in Brazil did it. So the issue is 
fighting fascism right now, but if we can do it by standing up for environmental justice. We cannot allow space to be destroyed. We can't allow our own air. When you break through the ozone, it affects everyone standing, every tree, every plant, everything on the, on the earth's surface. It is harmful. This cannot become a players take all kind of game. We're not talking about commodities, pork bellies, and corn. We're talking about the future of our mother, our mother earth. If all of us aren't safe on mother earth, none of us are. If we don't handle the coronavirus for everyone on planet earth, we all will suffer and some of us die. Are we willing to risk that because of the horrible things that have been done? We know what an atrocity, that the atrocities that America has committed. I've lived through seeing inmate slavery. I know the Constitution says once you're arrested, you can be treated like a slave. And we're having Victoria's Secret produce underwear through inmates. But this goes far beyond what, what, what Zuckerberg's doing, what Victoria's Secret's doing, what the uh, prison industrial project is doing. This a wake-up call and a time for us to unite globally and to use the Black Lives Matter symbols and Im- imagery that just shows that everyone knows that, yeah, Black Lives Matter. The Palestinians are standing in solidarity, hoping we will stand in solidarity with them because their lives don't matter. And right now, these capitalists are so ignorant. You can be a billionaire but not be intelligent. You're not, Basil's not a scientist. Zuckerberg's not a scientist. And so they're making economic moves, as all of the analysts have said. They're thinking about dollars in their pockets. I think we are lost our sister. What we're going to do right now is go to Brother Haki. Brother Haki, your final thoughts. Yeah, first, Brother Africa, a uh, correction. For the population for the 18th century, I think I said 30, 30, 30 million. It should have been 300 million. I missed a zero, so it's 300 million. I just want to make that correction. Uh, now, I'm going to give you uh, nine quick steps if I want to maintain the oppression of the African community in the United States. This is what I would do. One, Use religion to reinforce subservience. Two, class ratification. Teach some Africans that they're better than others. Three, assassination of radical revolutionary leaders or incarcerate them. So political, uh, political prisoners or prisoners of war will be incarcerated. And uh, we know U.S. has the largest uh, political prisoner population in the world. Fourthly, incorporate African characters on TV, legitimizing the system. Five, African actors to betray police, military, corporate figures, and the media. Six, increase visibility of black conservatives. Seven, elevate the voices of black conservatives. Eight, finance mainstream black politicians. And nine, deny any of this exists. So when we look at why this greatest fight against uh, uh, um, critical race theory, then we understand that the institutions, in terms of how they're constructed, uh, achieve exactly these, these nine points that I enumerated. And so, therefore, if we don't fundamentally understand the, 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 the impact of these nine, these nine uh, methods, uh, you know, on our situation, 
then we're hard-pressed to really understand you know, why the oppression exists in the first place. So we have to fundamentally understand how the institution operates in society, and understand the institution operates in society, then we can fortify our children in terms of increasing you know, their self-esteem, increasing their their, 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 their ability to, to, to get things done, to be focused, to think analytically. Those kind of things we can achieve and must achieve when we're going to survive in a society. And so one of the things that those people who oppose critical race theory is that their position is that by keeping African people ignorant, that is the best course of action. I'm talking about black conservatives, of course. Um, uh, conversely, people like ourselves, we take the position that the more we understand how the system operates, the more we're in position to, 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 to adequately fight back to protect our children, to make sure that they can reach their, 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 their highest uh, uh, um, um, capabilities in terms, of, in terms of intellectual pursuit. So clearly, you know, uh, critical race theory is very, very important, and, and I encourage people to read more about that and to get involved and learn as much as you can and to make damn sure that the children understand the importance in terms of understanding their history, understanding the importance in terms of working together, understanding important institutions in society, in African society, in terms of trying to bring the, the best, you know, out of, out of human beings. And uh, I'll close with that, Brother Africa. And as always, I encourage people to unravel the matrix because that is key. Without unraveling the matrix, uh, the bottom line is that we go we go nowhere. And so clearly we have to go somewhere in order to arrive where we need to be. And I'll close with that. Brother Africa, you have a good night. You the same, Brother Aki. On that note, are you listening on nine things? We would like to add to it for a second before we go to Brother Anthony. Last week we talked about the methodology of the CIA and their, their intelligence program. In terms of how they set up um, countries and people and create a world deception and the nine steps that they go through that you can look at what's happening now as it relates to Cuba, Venezuela, Bolivia, I mean, you name it, throughout the world. What they do, they also, they lobby public opinion. They appoint the rights. They appoint the right man on the ground. They make sure the generals are ready. They make the economy screen. They, dip, they, they, they create diplomatic isolation. They organize mass protests. They get a green light to go ahead. They assassinate, and then they deny it. Deny the things. But they use the two or deny you. Those are also ingredients and methods that they use to set up scenarios to try to overthrow undeniable movements and governments. And we must remember those particular techniques. So right now, we're going to go to Anthony and ask Brother Anthony for his final thoughts for tonight as it relates to our theme. This world is their playground. And we are there to us, Brother Anthony. Your final thoughts. Yes. Uh, my final thought is the only way we can change that scenario is that the masses of our people have to get organized. Organization is critically important to defeating all forms of human exploitation. And uh, one of those uh, those organizations that Africans can join is the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. You can learn more about our objective and Africanism 
and our program, which is uh, building uh, cadre, is uh, by by visiting our website www.a-aprp-gc.org, and you can find out more about our objective and program, and learn about the history of the uh, Pan-African struggle and, uh, you know, and our, you know, role in that process. And we encourage you, once again, to join an organization that is working for our people's liberation. And one such organization is the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. It is only by being organized that we can defeat all manifestations of capitalism in the world. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And a quick announcement, Armando, for our friends, supporters, that we will be working in conjunction with other organizations under the banner of the African Women Association. And to join with them, unite with them, and go to Cuba you know, in terms of their annual Black History, African History Education Culture Culture Tour will take place on December 27th to January 3rd, 2022. For more information, if you're interested in going, please contact the African Awareness Association at email African Awareness Association 2 at gmail.com or you can contact this radio station by emailing Africa on the Move. And Africa on the move to a gmail.com. Until next time, we will actually describe the Go Forward album, Backwards Novel. Remember, Pan African is the key. It will set all African free. That's fight for Pan Africanism. That's fight for the path of true liberation. And on that note, we want to remind you, like Brother Bob Marley reminded us earlier. Stop fighting these battles for the enemy and don't become a Buffalo soldier. We see you next week and ask you please share this program with your friends and network and let's begin to build this particular program so all Africans can have access to this important information that we try to provide to you on a weekly basis. Until next time, remember, Africa is on the move.
I want you. 